Well, good morning, or uh, right at afternoon time right now. Hello there. My name is Ricky Shiloh. I'm, I'm standing in place for Tony Millette, who's normally up here, but Tony is out working with Hope U Corps. And then after he finishes Hope U Corps, he's going to go up to Trinidad to be part of their 30 year anniversary. So he's going to be pretty busy for the rest of July, which means that a lot of us have to kind of step up. So I'm stepping up today. Now, before I get started, I really want to lift up some folks in prayer. Please pray for the Buwachi family. You know, as they grieve and as they heal. And pray for their healing. Pray for the Spearman family. They just welcomed a brand new baby girl, Isabella, into the world. The oldest daughter had a baby, and they're celebrating that with, with uh, her right now. So, and any other, uh, and the Bly's family as well. You know, Dwayne Bly's dad had a, a, a massive stroke, and he's been by his bedside, uh, really being there for his father. So pray for that family, for their healing, for their strength as well. You know, it's always something to pray for and pray about. The Bible says pray without ceasing. And I believe it says that because there's always something to pray about. But we've been in the book of John. And if you can turn over to John chapter 8. But I'm going to touch on some things in John chapter 7. Tony preached from John chapter 7 two weeks ago. Because last week we had house church. You guys enjoy house church? Now, we had a blast in our house church. We did, huh? We had a blast. We, wanted, we finished, went to the beach, prayed on the beach. It was hot, but we prayed on the beach. Oh, man, we just really had a great time, an awesome time connecting with one another and connecting with God. Man, I, I love house church. It's so intimate. I like it. So as we get started here in John, and just a couple things in John chapter 7 to get our minds focused on John chapter 8. In, in John chapter 7 verses 14 and 15, it says that perhaps, it says not until halfway through the festival does Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Look what other versions say in verse 15. Now we're talking about the Pharisees here. Other versions read like this. How does he know so much when he hasn't studied everything we've studied? <laughs> when I read it, I say no too. I'm like, oh, okay. Another version reads like this. How has this man become learned having never been educated? Yeah. In other words, he is not one of us, so how in the world can he speak this way? Wow. He ain't learned, he ain't school, he ain't, he ain't one of us. We got the best that We know the law. He don't. You know, that's what it feels like. And when you read this, what do you see in it? What pops out at you when you read that verse 15? Well, jealousy popped out for me. They just because 
Jesus had this way with the crowd. It says they were amazed. It was amazement from the crowd. I see resentment perhaps in the Pharisees. Why? Because they said, well, perhaps I just can't speak as eloquently or as detailed as Jesus can. I see fear. Fear saying, you know, if, if we don't do something about Jesus, we're going to lose our position. That's what I see in that passage. And what happens when we feel things like this? Well, we start looking for ways to protect our position. We used to call it rice bowls in the Navy. This mine. This all mine. And I don't want nobody to come into it. I got to protect my position. And we look for ways and opportunities to discredit our opponent. If somebody buck up against you and you don't like it, you're going to look for a way to get back at them. Why? Because we are sinners and we want to be right and we want to protect our position. This is all my rice bowl right here. But could this statement have been what set the wheels in motion in chapter 8? This could have been laying some foundation right there. Because Jesus is not one of us. Let's target him to ensure we protect our position. And look, they rallied together. They say birds of a feather flock together. You ever heard that statement? You want to do something like that? You want to get people to come in with you. Because you say strength in numbers. Birds of a feather flock together. But the plan all alone was just to trap him. Verse 19, chapter 7 says, now listen, when I read this, I want you to think about, this is what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. Now if you put yourself in a position, how do you feel? Look what it says in verse 19. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Whoa. whoa. Say what? You can't be talking to me that way. Because you know when you get put on the spot or challenged, then you get defensive. And when you get defensive, you take on a whole new posture and a whole new attitude about things. That's what the Pharisees was doing. Because Jesus was all up in a grill. Some of you been there. You know, when you know you're right, and you get challenged, you feel something. And that something you're feeling is not always good. Because you start thinking about retaliation. How can I get back at that person? The Pharisees started to feel something. A certain kind of weight. Because Jesus was in their face. Calling them out. See, Jesus put them on their heels, had them backpedaling, put them on the spot, and they had no defense for it. You see, when, you, when the truth is spoken to you, you ain't got no defense. You try to come up with something, but you have no defense. Jesus exposed the hypocrisy in their character. Talking about the Pharisees. 
Could this have been what set the wheels in motion for what we're going to read about in chapter 8? Question is for us is how do we respond when we put on our heels, when we backed up into a corner or someone exposed the hypocrisy in us? How does that make you feel? Probably not too good. See, the Pharisees look one way on the outside, but totally different on the inside. How do we look? on the outside versus on the inside. Now, you're disciples of Christ now. Yeah. How do you look on the outside versus the inside? You see, we don't always like discipling time. We'd be like, oh, man, I can't meet with you right now. <laughs> I, I, I got things to do. How about next week? <laughs> see, we don't always like discipling time because the Bible the word of God put us on our heels. It backed us into a corner. And we have to answer not to man, but to scripture. And so when you have to answer the scripture, boy, you back up. You're in a corner. It becomes hard. And now we are ready to feel some kind of way. We feel something because our discipling partner have exposed something in our character. Yeah. Well, you start seeing the resemblance in the Pharisees? <laughs> Verse 37, chapter 7. Listen, he's saying this and the Pharisees are listening. Look what he says in verse 37. The source of living water, the source of living water, believe in me in streams, or lives in me in streams of living water, will flow from within you. Believe in him, you will have the source of living water. Now the Pharisees, after Jesus has been all up in their grill, they are saying, who is this guy? He's not educated. And he's talking about us this way. In verse 4 it says, upon hearing these words, some said, this man is a prophet, the Christ, and some wanted to seize him. That's what it says in verse 40. See, the Pharisees did not like what they were hearing from Jesus. And because they didn't like what they were hearing from Jesus, they wanted to do something about it. That's what they wanted. And it seems like the more Jesus preached, the more the Pharisees disliked. And then when you add in, Jesus always calling them out. Always call them out about their character, about their hypocrisy. How would you feel? You're always being called out. You can't do nothing right. You're supposed to be the person that know it all, the most righteous. But Jesus says you're not. How would that make you feel to always being called out? They want to make you to do something about it, right? In Matthew... Chapter 23, verse 2, it says, Jesus tells the crowd, the Pharisees and teachers of the law are experts in the law of Moses. This we tell them. These guys are experts in the law of Moses. So obey everything they teach you. But 
Don't do as they do. After all, they say one thing and do something else. Hypocrisy. Imagine Tony Millett getting up here every Sunday and Wednesday preaching to y'all, telling you to follow the word of God, read your Bibles, but what you didn't know, his life was secret, and he's coming out of jail every Sunday. He's on work release. Hey, don't tell him I said that, okay? Is that not hypocrisy? See, Jesus criticized the Pharisees for good reason. He didn't do it for, for, for no reason, he did it for good reason. The Pharisees always wanted the seats of honor, always wanted to wear the fancy robes, always wanted to be called something that they were not. Hypocrisy. So disciples, for us, this is where we have to examine our lives. Are we saying one thing, but doing another? We got to watch out. See, we don't always like what we're hearing from Jesus. And our response can be similar to the Pharisees. And it looks something like this here. Oh, I can't, I won't be at church today. Well, okay, well. Everything okay? Yeah, 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 everything good. I just, I just, I won't be able to make it. Well, you going out of town? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I just, I won't be able to go to church today. Hmm. I think I got the right number. I'll try that again. Hmm. This ain't taking my phone call. You starting to feel something. When you start to feel something, you got to do something. And it ain't always good. You pull back. You don't take phone calls. You avoid contact with people. But you see, you want to be known as a Christian and a disciple of Christ, but you ain't acting like a Christian or a disciple of Christ. Why? You start stepping back. The next thing you want it's to be critical of the person who just opened the Bible with you. Ain't say the word, just say, read this here. Now we're critical of the person who just wanted to show you something in the Bible, God's word, that has exposed your character, and now you're feeling some kind of way. The similarities. So now we pick up in John chapter 8. We pick up in John chapter 8. Uh, and we're going to read. Okay, hold up. Yeah, I'm just trying to find John chapter 8 verse 1. Okay. Okay, let's read. John chapter 8. It says, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him. 
and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And this, those who heard, began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, he said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. The... Uh, my first point is condemn or restore. Condemn or restore. The only purpose the Pharisees wanted to do was to condemn. That's why they brought the woman to condemn and to trap Jesus. It's the only reason. Now, they were partly successful because they parade this woman with the crowd. This all take place in the temple and say, hey, she is an adulterous woman. So she had to have felt some type of humiliation. Then they cite the law of Moses. And maybe they remember what Jesus said in chapter 7 that we just read. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet, yet no one of you keeps the law. That's what he said in chapter 7. Now, when he said that in chapter 7, I got to only know that they didn't like that. Yeah. They, they, did, they just didn't like it. Yeah. And now here in the text, they say the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say, Jesus? Now, he just said you don't even keep the law in verse 7. Now, they bring the law, want to see if he's going to keep the law. <laughs> really, Pharisees? What do you say, Jesus? Now, this is the trap. This is the setup for them. Yeah. The scriptures say they only try to trap them. This is where the trap comes. Yeah. If Jesus says stone her, then he breaks the Roman law because you're not supposed to stone on the Sabbath. If he says let her go, then he's going to be accused of not holding to the law of Moses. But what do you do? They tried to trap him. I can only imagine what was going through Jesus' mind hearing this. And, and I, I can only imagine that he was affirming everything he knew about the character of the Pharisees. Yeah. Really? You come in here with this kind of stuff? But maybe Jesus was thinking this. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clear to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Maybe he was thinking that when they brought the adulterous woman to him. What are you doing? And 
Here's the next question. Where was the man? Where was the guy? You, you don't do a, you don't commit adultery by yourself. What was the man? You know, when I read that, the first thing I thought, I said, well, I wonder if the Pharisees knew who the guy was. Because they're Pharisees. All throughout the gospel, they wanted to trap Jesus. Maybe they set the trap. Maybe they knew who this guy, I don't know. The scripture doesn't say. But is that why they didn't bring him to the temple court? Why? Just a woman. You think, was this about the adulterous woman? Probably not. Probably not. But look, look what Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. Look what he says to his disciples. And Jesus said to them, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Watch out and beware of the leaven. In other words, watch out and beware of the corruption of the Pharisees. They are very good actors. They are very good pretenders. Watch out and beware of the Pharisees. You ask yourself, what are the comparisons between me and the Pharisees? Because you know, every time we open the Bible, we want to learn something, right? What are the comparisons? You know, we want mercy, but don't want to give mercy sometimes. We want to be forgiven, but it's hard for us to forgive. We are quick to share what our brothers or sisters did, but slow to share our own shortcomings. We are quick to judge, but slow to listen. We find scriptures to suit our agenda and take it all out of context. That's some of the similarities. You know, ain't nobody saying you're a Pharisee. I'm just saying the similarities. That's all I'm saying. You know. But the Pharisees look for every opportunity to condemn and not to restore. See, the Pharisees' zeal, the energy that they had, it wasn't in keeping the law for themselves, but in finding ways to work around the law. And Jesus knew all their motives. And he knew this about them. The question for us is, what does Jesus know about our motives? What does he know about our motives? What does he, what does he know about our zeal? And where does your zeal lie? Does it lie with you or does your zeal lie with others? I hope we, our zeal can be with others. Now, surely being an adulterous is shameful and worthy of punishment. But look what Jesus says. He looked at the Pharisees and he looked at their behavior and he looked at their hypocrisy. That too is shameful. Matthew 5 verse 20 says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless your righteousness surpassed that of the... And listen, these people were teachers of the law. And they knew better. Or should have. 
And this is why it is important to look at the character of the Pharisees. So that we don't fall into that same attitude and that same characteristics in us. We want to get to heaven. And if our righteousness is not that above the Pharisees, look what it says. We won't get to heaven. Condemn or to restore. Point two. Restore or condemn. See, the Pharisees in this text kept demanding an answer from Jesus. What do you say? What do you say about the matter? But see, Jesus knew their motives. And the fact that they wanted to trap him in saying or doing something in contrast to the law. You see this all throughout the Gospels. They always after him. This wasn't the first time he was being set up. You can just read chapter 7 and see they want to set him up three, four times just in chapter 7. Trap after trap after trap. They tried to get him to do something or say something. Jesus writes on the ground. Not once, but twice during this encounter. But the question is, what did he write on the ground? And why didn't he verbalize what he wrote on the ground? There was other people around. I mean, you know, if Jesus was about just hammering, he could have verbalized what he wrote on the ground. Because he wrote something that was powerful and effective on that ground. That's what he did. Could Jesus have done something to shame the Pharisees while in the temple? Probably. He probably could have done something, but he didn't do it. Why he didn't do it? I don't know. Perhaps what Jesus wrote on the ground was all of their hidden sins. Uh, Okay. What do I say? I'm going to tell you what I say. You looking? Oh, they looked a little bit. But it's believed the first time he stooped down, he wrote a scripture out of Jeremiah. Chapter 17, verse 13. It reads, all who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust. So maybe the first time he stooped down, he wrote that passage. That's what the commentaries believe. And the second time he stooped down, he wrote all their names in the ground. Names written in the dust. Verse 7 says, if anyone of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw the stone. And whatever, whatever was written in that ground, ain't nobody did this here. <laughs> they did this here. Start the walk. They walked away. Whoever is without sin, throw the first stone. I don't know exactly what was written. But they walked away. But see, now here's where the restoration begins. This is where Jesus really started to come out. The restoration begins. He asked the woman, where are your accusers? 
Didn't even one of them condemn you? Now one of them did. Restore or condemn. See, the question for us is how are we treating our brothers and sisters? How are we doing with treating our brothers and sisters when they're in sin? Is our first thought to condemn? Or is our first thought to restore? Well, we fall. What's our first mind? Here's the scenario for you. You heard what happened? Man, you believe I don't believe that happened. Really? Woo. Well, look, hold up. I'll call you back. I got to call somebody else and tell them this news. Hold up. Did you hear what happened? Yeah. Wow. Do you believe that? Woo. Man. Golly, dude. Well, let me I got to call you back. I got to call dot, dot, dot again. You done made four, five phone calls. Talking about sin that somebody done fell in. I don't see restoring in that. I see a little bit of ridicule. I see a little bit of gossip. Now what you could have done. Hey, brother or sister, look, man. Look, I, I, I just want to help you. You know, I, I know you're going through some rough times right now. You know, I'm willing to walk with you through this storm. Yeah. I really want to walk with you through this storm. Yeah. You know, because, you know, God loves you. And, and I know we just got to get you built up and get your strength again. Yeah. Can we pray right now? Let me pray with you right now. Restore or condemn. Yeah. What do you fall? Which scenario does the Bible points us to? Gloating, ridicule, gossip, or does it point us to love, compassion, and restore? Galatians 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit, you who live by the Spirit, see this is key. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But it says, watch out. Watch yourselves. Or you also may be tempted. Yeah. I, we, we, we restore or condemn. But there's benefits to restore. You just read that, right? There's benefits for love and compassion. There's benefits to help somebody come out of sin. Jesus, unlike the Pharisees, was in a business of restoration and not destruction. He was in the business of building up and not tearing down. He was in the business of love and not hate. The business of compassion and not heartlessness. Where are we this morning? You see, this is not nowhere a pass for sin. This is not a way out of the consequences of sin. Jesus didn't give the woman a pass. But what he did give her is an opportunity for a new way of life. He says, go and sin no more. Does that sound familiar in your own walk? When you study the Bible, the end goal was to go and sin no more. That was the end goal in your Bible studies. Sounds familiar. See, Jesus is not soft on sin. He is merciful, 
He says, leave your life of sin and sin no more. This is a choice that he gives us. And if you're visiting with us this morning, even if you're a disciple, Jesus has given us a choice. Stay in your life of sin or sin no more. Restore or condemn. See, the Pharisees look righteous. They act righteous until Jesus rode on that ground. When he rode on that ground, they were all exposed. All the hypocrisy was exposed. And for the woman, mercy, grace, and compassion was given to the woman. The Bible says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, restore or condemn. Finally, in James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, it says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. What side do you want to be on? You want to be on the condemning side or you really want to be on the restoration side? Be on the restoration side. There's benefits to help others come out of sin. So church, let's look at our character. And not have the attitude of a Pharisees, ready to condemn and live in a life of hypocrisy. Yeah. But let's be like Jesus. Have an attitude to love, show compassion, and to restore. Amen. Amen. church let's close in the prayer before we sing our last song together as soon as everyone gets up here <clears throat> lord father thank you so much for this beautiful sunday that you've given us god thank you for ricky just bringing a powerful lesson about uh, restoration god as opposed to condemnation god i pray that we can uh, avoid hypocrisy in our own lives god and just seek after uh, the mercy that you provided us god uh, so that you've been merciful, so we can be merciful to others, God. I really pray that we can uh, grow as a family, that the, the rest of the Sunday can be amazing, and all these things I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Go and stand as we sing hallelujah together. Okay. <clears throat>